This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Well, well, well. It well, isn't the guy well, well. that said, don't give up on the Bears, Cam. They've never given up on me. If it isn't the guy that said, the Giants O-line is fine. <laughs> 11 sacks last night. I've got, when's the last time a, a stat like that was pulled? And 11 if they, sacks. If they didn't have a mobile quarterback, it would have been 100. Okay, I pulled this clip. Um, and <laughs> so there was... We're going to get into the Winnipeg Jets course. They played last night, falling to the Calgary Flames 5-4. Blew a two-goal lead in preseason. It's unacceptable. Yeah, big deal. <laughs> um, like, I, I was I was on Twitter and I was on Reddit afterwards, and there were some people that were very concerned about a mostly AHL team going Whoa, up against a complete... What's Reddit? Is this a new format that yeah, I'm unaware of? It's a good question. Um of course, the defense are going to get put in bad spots. There was NHL uh, forwards going up against AHL forwards for the most part, or up and comers guys that don't have a lot of experience in the AHL. This is this was not a surprising result. Um, but uh, uh, Brian Dable tossed the tossed the, the tablet yesterday at Mac Jones after he missed a wide open guy in the end zone and instead throws a ninety seven yard pick six. Ninety seven yard pick six. When was the last one? Was it that Super Bowl where? Harrison did it for the Steelers against the Cardinals? It might have been. Here's the Brian Dable after that. Uh, I was trying to show him, kind of see what he thought, and then kind of tell him what I saw. Didn't what did you were too happy because you, you kind of tossed the tablet as you walked away. I mean, what was supposed to happen on that route? Was it? Yeah, I'm not going to get into the particulars of it. What did you want him to do on that play? Yeah. Well, obviously not throw an interception. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Um... So this is interesting hockey-wise. Yes. Because, you know, Paul Maurice went viral last year when in Minnesota he lost it on his team. Toronto. Toronto. Was yeah. it in he Toronto? Was, it was in Toronto, yeah. I think he did it in Minnesota, too. Yeah. But there, but the big um, one that blew up because it was in Toronto and it was, yeah. So what's wrong with this? This is my p- point. Yeah. We hear about how coddled pro athletes are. We hear about, you know, and, and rightfully so in the workplace, you cannot speak to, now I didn't see him screaming at Daniel Jones or anything like that, but I'm okay. I'm old school, but I'm of the belief. I don't believe in abuse. I don't believe in embarrassment. I don't believe in um, mm-hmm. all that kind of, you know, the power that we've seen in the hockey culture and using it to do whatever your influence wants to be. What I do believe in is what the Giants head coach did yesterday after two and a half quarters of absolutely horrific play. <laughs> Just I, horrific. And I know he doesn't have an O-line, but his yeah. decisions when he had time. And, and that was interesting, that question there. He goes, what, do you, what did you want him to do on that play? And he said, not throw a pick six. I would have ventured to say, throw it to Darren Waller, who is five yards deeper in the end zone and wide open. 11 sacks. I I don't know, but it looked to me like he was like... He was scared he was going to get clocked. It wasn't just the pick six. It, to me, was the play was to Waller. You didn't even see him, and that's what the play I called was. But then you threw into double coverage, and it went the other way. And it it was a rare opportunity where he had some time to throw the ball. There comes a point where it's okay to hold your $160 million quarterback accountable. Yeah. I think it, I, and I think that's what I saw. Now, this went viral. The minute I saw it live on the broadcast, because I was streaming yeah. the Jets game on Winnipeg Jets, I had CJOB with Edmonds and, and yeah. Mitchell in my ear, and I'm, I have the, the screen of the football game, and I just happened to look up, I think it was during a commercial break of the Jets game, 
And I happened to look up and I see him toss the tablet. And I was like, whoa, you don't see that much anymore. And so then I rewatched it. And I'm like, what is wrong with that? Yeah. If you have a guy who turns the puck over six times in a game and it's a second period, can you not show him on a tablet? And if he doesn't want to look at it, throw the tablet. <laughs> it's, it's a frustrating moment. That's for sure. Um, and I went back and I watched the play. He missed, he missed the read. He totally, I, he you totally watch his head, the read. you watch his head, look at the wide. And then I don't know what he saw. And the reaction of the coach tells me that what he did wasn't even the play that was called. Yeah. So in, in the heat of it and when things transpire and somebody's not open, okay, divert to something else. But why are you diverting from the play I called when the guy I called it for is wide open? Anyway, I just I we, yep. you, I brought that up when we came in today, and I'm just like, like we're in a great day and age where you can't abuse people, you can't verbally assault them, you can't abuse them. I'm all I believe wholeheartedly in that. But if you perform as a professional athlete horrifically, it's okay if your coach shows some disappointment in you. And that that was not what that was in any stretch of the imagination. That was just a coach going, "What are you thinking? What are you thinking?" So, and maybe that happens a lot more than we give credit for. Maybe it's something that happens on the sidelines when the camera's not looking. I don't see it. I don't I don't see it at all. I don't see in all the NFL I watch and all the CFL I watch everything when I see somebody perform horrifically, I don't see anybody holding anybody publicly accountable cuz cameras are everywhere. What I do see is people holding their playbooks over their faces so you can't hear the coach go, "You need to be better." Yeah. Well, speaking of horrific play, Great segue. Of course, I'm not, I'm not meeting the Winnipeg Jets because I thought they played pretty well for the first half of that game. But as I was watching and I was thinking, okay, eventually this is going to come to an end and Calgary's going to start taking over. That's exactly what happened. Um, what did you think of them yesterday? I thought there was some bright spots. Yep. Um, I mean, Parker Ford, I'm being, uh, I don't have to bring him up because everybody is, uh, you know, reach, who has reached out to me on I, social I'm, media. I'm, you stuff. know what the thing is, so Jim, do you I'm, think Parker I, Ford has a chance to make it? I thought he was spectacular. Yeah, well, I, think, spectacular. I, yeah. I thought he was really good last I, night. I keep thinking that he's going to have a bad game, but he hasn't yet. Exactly. He's, he's making good things happen. I thought Rasmus Kapari impressed me. I thought he used his body well. He's bigger than I, I thought. And I think he's a really smart, aggressive player. I think yeah. he solidified himself as a position. And I thought David Gustafson did exactly what he needed to do, and that's to start producing. He's been really injured. Mm-hmm. And when he's gotten the opportunity, injuries have gotten in his way. I thought he was impressive. And my fourth take from it is I really liked uh, Cole Perfetti. I think yeah. Cole Perfetti is going to be fine as a second line center. I think when the regular season starts in the first two to three months, you're going to see some struggles here and there, not all game, but, uh, but I think that it's a, it's a smart move to put him there now. And I think he's eventually, and when I say fine, I think he's going to be fine from October 11th on, but I think he's probably going to develop into a really good center. He looked a lot more comfortable. Yeah, against against an almost entire NHL lineup against the Calgary Flames yes. yesterday. Now he, he looked really comfortable. Um, defensively, the the guys fighting for those spots. I thought Villa Hainola played really good again. Yeah. Um, I thought that read for him to where to go on the ice to get that pass, the vision and the wherewithal, that's hockey sense. And he held onto the puck just for the right amount of yeah. time, and he shot. And he that had a great was, shot. That was a veteran move. But I will say this. I'm that doesn't surprise me with Villa Hainola. I've seen that in his game and I expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he needs to defend well, and I thought he did okay in that, that aspect too. Yeah, uh, where the they what? struggled is I just yeah. thought that, um, you know, it, it's it's a depleted lineup, and and I, I could sense 
Um, like Josh Morrissey played over 20 minutes. I don't yeah. know how enthusiastic he was about it. Yeah. And he didn't, and that's why I don't think he played really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I sensed from the veterans, I thought John Shannon on the CJOB post game show summed it up perfectly because it's exactly how I felt when he said the players who need to impress, impressed, and the players who don't, whereas like an exhibition game, yeah. it's like a preseason game. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to strenuous myself mm-hmm. over it. I'm not playing well, but I'm, it's, I'm it's not preseason. Gonna, I'm not going to extend myself and get yes. injured. So that's what I took of it. What did you see from the game? Um, yeah, pretty much. I thought they had a really, really great first period. I thought they kind of caught Calgary uh, on their heels there. They had those great penalty kills to kick things off and start. Um, and Cole Perfetti made a real nice read to find Ville Hainala. I thought that was a great uh, uh, offensive play uh, between those two guys. I follow getting the puck off the boards. Um, and I, I thought they really had a great first period, a good start to the second period as well. Uh, you, you had that missed, the missed call against Brendan Dillon and then Brendan Dillon gets his, uh, sticks snapped in half. There was a little bit of a give and take there. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, giving up a goal like that at the end of it, I mean, you, you never want to do that, but again, it's preseason. Um, but I, like I said before, I mean, Parker Ford is a guy that I keep waiting to see kind of step back. Uh, but he makes, Plays. He had the nice give and go with Gustafson. Again, gets the gets the puck uh, and and makes a nice little play to to Gustafson and Gustafson finishes things off. So, um, yeah, I have to agree with what John Shannon said. I think I think that was exactly what it was. And uh, in terms of defensive play, okay, do I think that Rick Bonus is really happy about things being a little bit too loose out there? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think he'd like things to be tightened up. But given the circumstances of the game, it got pretty rough. I think a lot of people were trying, and a lot of the team teammates were not trying to get injured. As well, you have a lot of forwards who I think, um, when you're trying to make a team or you get called back to make a team, um, I, I, I think what's going on in your head is, I got to produce. I got to produce. I got to produce. I got to I got to shoot. I got to get goals. I got to yeah. get points. That's what's going to impress the coaching staff. But I think when you're a guy that's going to be going down to the moose, and you're going to be um, somebody uh, that is going to be uh, considered to be a call-up, I think the coach is more looking for positionally where you are. Uh, are you in the right spot? Are you making the right read? I think that that's more important, but I think especially if you're a younger guy, you're, you're trying to find uh, your offense, you're trying to find yourself going, and, and you, then you put your defenseman in a bad position, yeah. which, which is what I think happened in the, in the second. I mean, and there's also some miss. There was misplays. Like, there like was Shifley was supposed and, to be in this yeah. game. I think Kyle Connor was supposed to be in this game. How bad was the illness, too? Was there other guys on the ice yeah, that were so dealing with I, illness, too? I mean, again, that, that's also a factor. I, yeah. I don't, the score and the blowing of the two-goal lead, I could care less about him more about um again I, I think the players that got another chance because of the flu and everything else did what they needed to do and and uh you know the the vets look like guys who are like this is a preseason game and i get my feet wet and gonna be better yeah and the winnipeg jets of course uh losing a player on waivers let's take a break let's come back we'll talk about that uh jansen harkins i mean how big of a blow is that i mean are you happy for his opportunity he's heading off to the pittsburgh uh penguins what can we expect to see from from jansen harkins is he going to be in a similar situation uh with with the penguins that he was with the winnipeg jets we'll talk about that when we come back right after sports dave manuk from the illegal curve he's going to be joining us Uh, he's down at moose camp uh the jets uh, have the day off the moose don't there's a couple groups that have been going uh, out there this morning uh, we'll talk to him and I also want to talk about Hainolo because he's he's been talking about sort of a shift um, in him and when that happened uh, I'll talk to Dave Manuk and then we'll go uh, around the league a little bit talk some Leafs we'll be right back 
Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Well, Jim, uh, Jansen Harkins, this from uh, Josh Getzoff, who's a friend of the show, had him on a quite a few times, play-by-play man for the Penguins. He says, new Pens forward Jansen Harkins saying, all I want to do is go out there and help contribute to a winning culture. My goal is uh, to play in the NHL, and I believe I'm definitely a good enough player to be here. I believe that. I believe with yeah. the 32 teams that there's a role for him out there. I know a lot of people, or some, not a lot, a few people uh, tweeted me saying, you know, another asset mismanaged. Well, who are you playing him ahead of? Yeah, I like Jansen Harkins, but he needs to put up points, which he did with the Moose, or he needs to kill penalties and be a great checker. And I think he's kind of in between. I think he's an offensive player who has parts of a 200-foot game in him, but he's not going to play in this top six. The top nine is pretty well solidified for the Jets. So then he's got to be a fourth liner. I wouldn't play him ahead of Raspis Kupari or yeah, uh, you know, no, a dominant Mason guy, Appleton or something. So I wish him all the best. He's a great guy. And what he just said to um, who you mentioned there yeah, is exactly gosh. what he said to Paul Edmonds in a pregame interview last week. Yeah, point-per-game player, over-point-per-game player in the AHL. Couldn't find his NHL legs. And if you're going to be a guy that's going to come in, you got to be able to kill penalties, and you got to be able to contribute a little bit more than about 13 points he got in that one year. We'll be right back. Dave Manuk with us after this. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Hello, welcome back to the program. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Still to come, we'll talk a little bit of Leafs. Got some text messages here. We've got one text message I uh, really want to talk about here uh, in regards to Hainola and the true betrayed and all that sort of stuff. We'll get to that as the show continues. But first, Dave Manuk from the Illegal Curve joins us right now. Hey, Dave, how you doing? I'm good, Cam. How are you? Doing good, thank doing you. good. Well, thank you, David. I mean... <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm well. How are you guys? Good, thank you. For years and years and years, Dave and I sat beside each other at Moose games and then Jets games, and now he just looks to see if I'm coming to the game. I do. I sit there waiting, hoping that someone else will join me in the press box watching Moose games. And it's usually I'm hoping for for Jim. Dave, it's all serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once he even took my uh, laptop uh, power cable for me, which I left there. That's true. He's like basically my partner. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Dave, in all seriousness, between the Moose and the Jets, how many games a year do you go to? Um, Well, I probably, probably in the 60, I probably get to about 35 Jets games a year and probably 30-something Moose games a year, so probably in the 60 range. I, I thought it was higher than that. Like, I, I think you're underselling it. You're at most games for both or, both uh, organizations. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I, I, I maybe I miss I, – I probably miss, what, a handful of each, you know, probably. I mean, throw in some playoff games. I also watch them, you know, remotely, of course. I watch the Moose yeah. games at home and watch the – so I, I'm usually paying attention to everything, but I don't necessarily make it to every single game. I'd say I, at least I'm somewhere in the 90 range, which for me is pretty good. I never hit that in school, so the 90 is pretty solid. <laughs> uh, Winnipeg Jets, they have the day off, no training camp, but the Manitoba Moose are out there. Uh, I want to talk about camp, but first I want to, I want to talk about Ville Hainala. And yeah. uh, I remember this was something the two of us discussed, and there was sort of a shift that happened uh, sometime during the Moose season. And you're starting to see the ripples of that, and as he's really, really become uh, a guy that is – you know, maybe some people were thinking might, he might have a future in the NHL, but I think it's sort of, to me at least, it's not an if but a when situation. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, we watched Billy last year with the Moose, and he was exceptional. He did a lot of things really well. But he knew when we spoke at the end of season media availability for the Moose, 
what he needed to do. He said no excuses. And that was that was the thing I was looking for. And that's what we received was he was he was confident. He said, listen, I, I've got no excuses. This is on me. I've got to go home to Finland and have a great summer of training. And I've got to basically do everything I can to ensure that the Jets can't send me down. And he knows that the waiver exempt status works against him because, of course, it's an easier, in quotes, decision to send him down because it doesn't necessarily necessitate potentially losing a player on waivers. But I think what we've seen from him, Cam, is that he's decided to, look, he did everything he needed to do in the, in the summer back home in Finland, came here the first couple of days. He was a little bit shaky. You know, there's a lot of pressure on these younger guys. You know, it's not like the Josh Morrissey's, the Dylan DeMellos. These young guys know, you know, one mistake here, one mistake there. That could be the end of their training camp. So there's a little bit more of caution in their game, but he's kind of thrown caution to the wind. He's played really well, both in, you know, the skates we've watched at Hockey for All Center and also at uh, in the preseason game. So I, I think he's, he's really forced the Jets' hand. He's done exactly what he said he was going to do, and I think he's done it. I think he's going to make them now make a really tough decision in terms of whether they're going to keep him up or whether they're going to send him down. And was that always the case, Dave? Because I remember when he got sent down last season, I believe, or the year before, his first game was against Iowa, and he looked like he wanted to be anywhere else. And I'm okay with that. Like, I, I understand what it's like for a young player to go through this. You see somebody mm-hmm. like Jansen Harkins go down and, and sort of how he plays and the attitude he brought. And I think we as, as media and especially some fans just think it's so easy. Oh, I got sent down and now I got to buck up and play well. It's not easy. It's, it's a, it's, that's your dream. And to be sent down, it might take you a week or two or a month. Oh, for sure. And Pascal Vincent used to be the old Moose coach. Now it's Columbus head coach, of course used to talk about that. He doesn't want guys to want to be there. Now, you have to have a good attitude when you do get a sign, and you still have to do all the right things, but he completely understood it. He said, listen, why would you want to play in the AHL? You're in the best league in the world. The AHL is the second best league, but the NHL is the best league. So he could understand that disappointment that guys felt when they got sent down to the moose and understood that they needed to do something to get back there. But that was the whole point. There was still something you need to do in order to refine your hockey game to get to that next level. And so that's why, look, the AHL is not the NHL, but it's a good league in terms of development and to hone your skills because too many guys try and do that in the NHL and it just can't work that way. So for me, for Billy, you're right, Jim, he, you know, sometimes he'll, he's very uh, emotive. I would say, if you watch his face, you can see that sometimes he wears it on his sleeve. Some of the Finnish guys do. I tend to notice that they, they tend to reflect what they're, you know, necessarily internalizing externally, but Again, I think he's really done a good job this year of just focusing on the hockey, and it's showing in his in his play throughout the course of the first 13 days of Jets training camp. You talk about honing your skills. I mean, Jansen Harkins was a guy who went down to the AHL. He honed his skills, was a dominant scorer in the American Hockey League for the Manitoba Moose. Of course, picked up on waivers. First thing I thought was uh, was Dave that that's a bigger that's a bigger hit for uh, the Moose than it is for the Jets. Yeah, I absolutely think that's right. I think the Jets, the Moose would have absolutely loved to have someone like Jansen Harkins who put up 25 goals, 25 assists in the 44 games he played in the regular season and then four goals and three assists in the five games of their first round series against Milwaukee last year. He's, he's a heck of a player at the AHL level. There's no question about it. And remember, Jansen Harkins had anything but a linear path to the NHL, right? He went to the ECHL after, you know, as a second-round pick in 2015, probably the best draft the Jets ever had back in 2015, and he went back down to the ECHL worked on his skills and he's one of those guys probably one of the hardest working players i've ever seen off the ice 
and I'm not even saying on the ice, but just what he worked on off the ice. Mm. You can always see the intensity with Harkin. So, look, you, you knew he would. I, I was listening to you guys before, and I agree with Jim. He needed his chance, but he wasn't going to get his chance in this organization. So it's good for him to go to Pittsburgh and get that opportunity there with Penguins. Dave, how different, and drastically, not just because it's different players, but how different will the goaltending be for the Moose this year? Well, it's going to be interesting because right now they've got Oscarie Salmonen, who obviously was there last year, and he'll, he was in tandem with the Jets draft pick Arvid Holm last season. This year, it looks like Colin Delia, who's still up with the Jets right now in training camp, and the Moose have Salmonen and um, Thomas Millich, the Jets draft pick from this past draft. And it, he's an interesting story because he doesn't really have a contract right now with the Jets or the Moose. He doesn't have a pro deal. So he's in camp, but he doesn't necessarily have a deal. My suspicion would be that Millich will be in Norfolk, which is the ECHL now affiliate of the Moose and the Jets. He'll go there. He'll develop, play a lot of minutes for Norfolk. And it'll be Delia and Salmonen, which is really going to solidify this Moose club because they are so young. There's so many Jets prospects that are on this team. So having solid goaltending tandem in Delia and Salmon, I think, is going to go a long way for this Moose team. Um, did you notice anything from Parker Ford? I mean, another multi-point game last night uh, in those eight games he had with the Moose? You know what? I, I noticed a much more confident player. Like, I looked at a guy, and, and you know, it, it's an interesting point that Jim was making earlier. Like, we sometimes tend to forget that these guys are dropped into these situations, and, the, you know, especially the guys who are, are North American, let alone the guys who are coming over from Europe, and they're expected just to be able to become a pro. So Parker Ford looked like last year, like a guy who was coming from college and having a pro transition. So he played eight games, had four points. He looked good at, at, in spurts, but I thought from watching him in training camp that he looked like a much more confident player. And I like the, I love the Brandon Tanev parallels because of Providence College and sort of that style of play. We'll see if he can kind of get to that same level. But from, so far, from what we're seeing from Parker Ford, can't help us like what he's been able to do this summer and, and so far in training camp. Uh, so who are you, and we know the names, but who are you in particular keeping an eye on, whether it's somebody back from the past couple of years last year or maybe a new face that could make the moose this year? Well, I'll tell you right now, and this, is, this to me is the hottest, most interesting news that came out of yesterday's, uh, whether it was Jets or moose related. I think the uh, assignment of Elias Salamonson to the moose is is a huge like thing to happen because he is a 2022 second rounder. So generally because, and I'm not going to get too complicated, but because of the NHL and the Swedish Hockey Federation's agreement, if you're not a first-rounder, you're not supposed to be sent to the AHL. Essentially a first-rounder, if you're not playing in the NHL, goes back to Sweden and develops in Sweden. That's kind of the idea because they want to have, they want to be able to retain it in the Swedish Hockey League. But Salamonson was assigned by the Jets to the Moose. Now he's a second-round pick. So to me, that's a very curious development because it seems to me that he, the Jets are essentially – signaling like look this guy could be a recall option they've obviously really liked his camp he's had an ex- he had an excellent development camp he was great in Penticton, really good in the pre- in the preseason games he's played so the fact that they're signaling maybe there he's going to go to now of course he was injured in that senators mm-hmm. you know the senators preseason game on friday but he's now playing in a regular uniform he's skating with skated with the moose today and to me that is the biggest storyline right now jim that i'm watching simply because it's unexpected. You know, I was looking forward to watching Zilkin and Chibrikov and Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert, but the Salomonson one now has really kind of caught my eye simply because it's so unexpected. I was expecting him to go back to Sweden. He talked to about it when we spoke to him. Yeah. He said, I'm going to try and make this hard on the Jets and get a role with Winnipeg. If I don't, I'll go back to Schlefka and I'll play there. 
Now well, I know Jackie Schlefka. So I know those are the rules. Sorry to, to interrupt you there, Dave. I know those are the rules, but can he choose to stay or can I believe, and again, don't quote me on this because I'm not completely versed on all the rules and uh, vagaries of, of this, the agreement between the transfer agreement between the NHL and the Swedish Hockey League Hockey Federation. But I believe Schlefka has to agree to it. Right. So that's what I suspicion. My suspicion is the Jets and Schlefka are negotiating something, and if they can negotiate it, that's where you'll see uh, Salamonson stay in, in Winnipeg and play for the Moose, and then obviously get a chance to play for the Jets. Right, that's what I meant, is he and this team over there and the team here, if they, they all have to agree that this is where yeah. he wants to be, and if he doesn't, then yeah. he can, okay. Thanks for clarifying yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Dave Anouk, LegalCurve.com. Dave, thanks so much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Welcome, guys. Enjoy, enjoy camp. Keep on keeping on, Dave. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I wonder how much those are. Like Hardest those, working men. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're coming in from the NCAA, right, you're coming in from Providence, I mean, and Jim, you've said this how many times that you need to sort of the the transition from playing NCAA to like grown man in the AHL. That's a yeah. big transition, and I, I don't think that we can under and sort of under undercut how important those eight games were for him to be like okay. And that burned an entry level year in his deal, but he was able to come in. Perhaps that's what it was. Parker Ford comes in, plays eight games. He's like, okay, I know where I need to get to. Yeah. Right. I know what height I need to get to. I know how fast, how big I need to be. And he's an under five nine is when I looked at up up him today. Well, that's what's impressive about Parker Ford first and foremost is because like in the NCAA, the biggest thing I hear about the jump is the number of games. Like there's thirty some games in NCAA. You play on the weekends. It's a weekend league. Uh, I know a lot of people say the Manitoba Moose and the HL are weekend league, but they play weekday games. They travel more. They they've got to get places and stuff like that. But Look, Parker Ford has done exactly what he wanted to do. And so when you and I were talking about the show today, I said, we're going to be asked about Parker Ford. And you agreed. And that's what, who you're going to yeah. ask. That. So many people have asked about on social media and emailing, does Parker Ford have a chance to make this team? He does not have a chance to make this team. Yeah. But he has a chance to play games for this team this year. I think Parker Ford, like the Chris Tanevs of the world, are going to be on this team by next year. Yeah. Like th- a full-time regular spot. Called up, something happens in, in December or January, and I think he's going to make I think he gets a, a couple yeah. call-ups this year or maybe one or two, and I think he continues to develop. If he has a camp next year like he has this year, I think there's a spot for him with the cap and everything else. Yep, I'm with you on that one. 204-780-6861. Let's take a break. Let's come back. We'll go around the league here. I want to talk a little bit of Leafs. What do you think about the Leafs? we got a text message here. Hey, Nola, Truba, that trade. We'll get into that when we come back. Chats at noon on 680-CJOB. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Got this text message in um, as we uh, have our closing segment here. If we assume one day Hey, Nola plays on the Jets' top four defense, who would have won the trade with Jacob or Jacob Truba? Also included Neil Pionk. So say that again. Sorry. If we assume one day Hainola plays on the Jets' top defense, top four defense, who would have won the trade with Truba? Because he was, of course, the first round pick acquired. You know, it's an interesting question, but I don't know how you win a trade with a guy that wasn't coming back. To me, winning a trade, and I get we do this with every trade. It doesn't matter the circumstances around the trade. Who got the better player? How did it work out? Blah blah blah. But if Jacob Truba is not coming back. I don't know. Like, if you get two players that both play on your team for 200-plus games, I think you're doing pretty good for a guy who wasn't going to be here anyway. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's a situation. So I mean, Neil Pionk, I think, is is fine. Is he Jacob Truba? No. But if you get tr- if you get Pionk here for four or five seasons and Hainola plays in your organization for 10 years, I think that's about as good as you're going to do for a guy who's not coming back. Speaking of Neil Pionk, I said this earlier in the year, and I and I agree with it. I think Neil Pionk is sort of one of the big – I think Cole Perfetti is another linchpin. I think Neil Pionk's another linchpin for this season here. If, if Pion can get back to the way that he was playing in his first couple of years here as a Winnipeg Jet, um, where, you know, he hasn't been terrible, uh, but he hasn't been the same impact player as he was initially when he came here, uh, I, I think the team can really, really go further than they did last year. But I think he's he's right there with, with Perfetti as that important. His performance is that important to this team this season. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. There, there's a couple things that, I mean, every team every year needs five or six things to go well for them. Yeah, The Jets seem to be more of a team that needs those things to go more for them because there's not a lot of other stuff. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of free agent signings. There's not a lot of this or that. They need Cole Perfetti to be a decent second-line center behind Mark Shifley, and they need Mark Shifley to be here or another number one center. If you bring in another second line center and try to run him and Perfetti together, I I think you might have some issues. But to mm-hmm. me, if Cole Perfetti is good in the faceoff circle, he's good defensively, and he can put up sixty five to seventy points. Mm-hmm. I think that's a massive one of the things that need to go well for this team will have gone very well. Yeah, but the other thing that about last night's game to me, Cam, is is this. Last night's game was what I think we can expect from... It's weird because they didn't have anywhere near their roster there. But I think it's kind of the hockey you need them to play. And they talked mm. about this on the broadcast too, that Ryan Huska with the Calgary Flames is going from the worker mentality, grind games out, win them 2-1, Daryl Sutter kind of play, to being more freewheeling, to let the Hubertos and, and those kind of guys put up some points, Elias Lindholm and Kadri and and do that. And the Jets are doing the opposite this year. And I thought there was such a valid point. The Jets are going from a highly skilled, outscore some problems, um, you know, fly flying high offense to having to grind out some games like yesterday. And I think that's how they have to to win some games. I think you're going to be into a ton of games where they get the lead, they lose the lead, they get the lead back, and and close tight checking games. And I, I think it's going to be an interesting season that way if the Jets can do a kind of play the Calgary Flames style of old and if the Calgary Flames can play the Jets style of old. Yeah, Montreal beats the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-4 in overtime yesterday. What do you think of the Leafs this year? I, I, think, I think the Leafs are going to – I don't know yeah. if they're going to be as good as next last year because Samsonov is going to have to have another spectacular season. I think there's going to be a regression there. I think there is some regression there. I, I think that, and I also think it's because the Ottawa's of the world are better. Mm-hmm. So I think the points they rack up are going to last year are going to be harder to come by. Buffalo's better. Detroit's better. Buffalo, Detroit. I really like Ottawa, especially in that division. I think Montreal is going to be better, and I didn't think Montreal is very good at all. Yeah. So I mean, I look at the Leafs and I'm like, I I expect them to be the same. But because everybody else is better, I think that's going to be tougher for them. Do I think they got better? No, I don't. No. I think they'll be about the same as last year, but everything around them in the division got better. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yes, we will. We will see what happens on the puck drops, or at least the Winnipeg Jets, on October 11th. Final preseason game will go on Thursday right here. The Ottawa Senators in town pregame show gets going at 5, puck drop at 7. Jim Toth will take you all the way until 3 o'clock. That's it for me. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Fortier, for producing the show. Tip. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.